My name is Jeff Janakovo. I'm the author of The Space for Leadership. This book right here, thank you all so much for getting the book. You know, these these recordings I've learned over the years, we get people that pick them up live. We get people that pick them up in recording. Uh, I often chunk out parts and pieces of these types of calls and share them out later. So there's always multiple reasons to engage, but I always like to start right here uh, at the top of the hour. And so that's what we're going to do. And uh, I just want to make sure that uh, I've got everything going live. Uh, Jeff, real quick, I want to make sure you can see me and hear me okay. Just nod your head. Perfect. Wonderful. I've done presentations, been on presentations where it goes five, 10 minutes in, and I've made the mistake of not pushing a button, and others have too. So I want to make sure we don't do that here today. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. This call, The Power of Space. You know, this is a concept I've really been sitting with uh, for probably about the last year as I began authoring the book, uh, as I began to really examine my style of leadership, uh, the way I approach others, the things that I look uh, to do, uh, and, and the way I look to model my leadership. And so, for me, the, this concept of space, the power of space, I feel is really important to give to you in this call today as your bonus for buying uh, a copy of my book, which I'm so grateful and honored that you chose to do. And if you hadn't noticed or you missed it by now, uh, we did achieve quite a few feats, five number ones and new releases and a number one bestseller. So again, Thank you for that. And so digging in this, you know, this this concept of space, the power of space, really, the thing I'm going to kick off with everyone here listening to this recording, uh, who's going to maybe join in here throughout our time, I want to start off with the idea, and this is something that my mentor, Lisa Marie Platsky, has challenged uh, me and, and others in her coaching group with, is that life is about creating ease. And there is no need for a difficult life. And so the idea of that could be, you know, you might hear that and say, well, that's a really simple concept. Often the successes in life are around some of the most simple things. But this concept that I'm going to give to you tonight, the power of space, really dovetails into that statement that I've been challenged with as of late about creating ease in my life, creating ease for others, really creating an opportunity to work together where it doesn't have to be difficult. We don't have to have this constant butting of heads. We don't have to have it be my way, your way. Uh, it could just be the way. And so I'll start off with that, that I want to hopefully give to you today some ways to create ease in the way you lead, some ways to think about you don't have to lead a difficult life. Uh, I know for myself, I've somewhat prided myself on being that hard-charging uh, personality that pushes through most adversity, most challenges. And so um, I... Uh, I look to uh, I look to not be um, I look to not be that person. I apologize if I feel like I'm pausing here. We're getting folks jump on, and and I'm hearing the little ding in my ear to uh, to admit other people. I just want to make sure I've got everybody. Looks like everybody that needs to be in is in. So perfect. Thank you all for joining. I'm kind of, I've kind of kicked off here in the last couple of minutes, uh, discussing the concept that creating ease in life is a good thing to, 
to go after. There is no need to live a difficult life. And uh, I was just sharing that I've I've often prided myself on on living that difficult life of creating this uh, badge of honor, if you will, that pushing through difficulty is this prize. Uh, instead, again, I'll get into the concept of space, the power of space. The idea here is to create to create a life, to create a space around you as a leader that uh, basically is ease, is easier. Uh, it's easier for people to get along with you. It's easier for you to lead and live with them. It's easier for them to do the same with you. And, you know, something I'm focused on very much so right now, as we create a pivot and a shift within my coaching group, I helped to lead the Battlefield Alliance. It, it's this question that we're asking of the folks that we're leading there in that space is in this eight hour day that you have and you lead people in your place of employment, in your in your business that you might own or the people that you lead in your day, you know, do you need every minute of that eight hour day? You know, beyond eight hours. What amount of investment are you willing to grow and expand the humans and the human capital you have? Shift them just from being people of doing to people of human connection. What investment are you willing to make? Seven hours, 59 minutes? Are you willing to invest a minute? Are you willing to invest 15 minutes? Are you willing to invest a half hour a day in the growth of those people around you? Remembering and recalling that throughout our work week, the five days we spend with people we lead, the people we employ, they are getting the lion's share of their time. We're getting that lion's share of time that they give us throughout that day. That's a lot of time. And if we're not focused on growing them as better humans, we're not focused on that investment in human capital, are we really focused on growing our company? Are we really focused on growing and expanding the space of those around us? And so I would ask, like, what is that investment you're willing to make? Is it that one minute? Must you get all eight hours? Or does it have to be seven hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds of time? Or could it be seven and a half hours? Could it be seven hours? Could it be seven hours, 45 minutes? You know, there, there's there's opportunities there to expand uh, to expand uh, the room for people to grow with you that you lead. You know, I'll give you another example. I just did a podcast today that I think really drives this concept home. Uh, Dennis Moralda is a good friend of mine. I've, I've gotten to know him the last few months. He leads a group called Building Men for at-risk, what he calls actually at-opportunity young men who are, you know, struggling with discipline, struggling with leadership, struggling with self-worth and confidence in their lives. He's been in education. He got to start working with a program of about 30 kids in Southern New Jersey that were court mandated to be in this program. And it involved him driving a bus and taking these kids home, taking them to the program, from the program. And as soon as he gave those kids the opportunity to talk, what happened is they asked him to start taking the long way home so they could talk some more to Dennis, so they could share their stories with Dennis, so they could share what was going on in their lives with Dennis. And so I would ask you, are you creating that long way home with those you lead? What, what, where is the carve out exactly? Okay, maybe, and I understand it as a business owner, I'm a business owner too. Maybe you really have a hard time settling the fact that 
I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to run a business. I signed up to make the exchange of people putting in the labor, doing the work with me. You know, my investment is that, okay, I understand that. And that's, that's okay. You are within your rights to operate a business in that fashion. But I'll go back to where I started. Is that living a life of ease? Or is that mindset um, always just going to make things difficult? You know, Dennis was connected to that program because he felt connected as an opportunity to learn as part of college extension credit. He felt it was a good way to expand his skill set, expand his opportunity for leadership, expand his career. And he quickly found that just a little more deposit went a long, long way to the real mission. Now, he could have said, no, I'm not going to take you a long way home. I got other things to do. I'm a 21-year-old college guy. I got a life I got to live. I'm getting paid a set amount to do this gig. You know, this is on you. You got to figure it out. But if his mission, he, he wouldn't have been right with his mission. He wouldn't have been right with his purpose. And, you know, I mean, I guess if your purpose is just extract and take and take and take, okay, that's all right. That Again, uh, that's not necessarily a judgment. It's a simple fact of the matter that if that's how you view the exchange of the time with your people, then that's that's what exactly you're getting exactly what you have and what you want. So I would again challenge what's the long way home that you could take with your people? What's that extra right turn around the block or oh, I missed that left turn. Let's talk some more. You know, what is that opportunity to create space? And so as we dig into what this power of space is about, I have three uh, three key ingredients for you that I feel make a lot of sense. Uh, if, by the way, if those have joined, if you have questions, uh, type them in the chat. I'm, I'm attempting to keep this recording tight because, you know, really I know that a lot of folks don't get the opportunities to, um, tune into calls like this live. You know, everybody's got schedules. Everybody's got family time in the evenings, things like that. Uh, other folks may not have, uh, check their email yet today so they didn't get the reminder in the email. I get it. So I look to keep these kinds of calls tight. We'll get some questions at the end. So type them in the chat if you have them, please. So three ingredients around creating space. Uh, first one is, is and it's cover this in the book. It's it's the, the idea of carrying a sword or carrying a shield in your leadership. And I always try to give some visuals as I speak. And so I, I reference this in the book. There's a fantastic movie tremendously produced, visually uh, incredible. It's called Kingdom of Heaven. Orlando Bloom is one of the characters or actors in it. Um, near the end of the movie, um, uh, he has the, um, the opportunity to... I don't want to spoil it for people if they haven't watched it, but it is an older movie. It's not like it's a blockbuster right now. But he has an opportunity to exchange with Salahuddin, the Muslim leader, which he just fought and lost Jerusalem to. And he asks him, he says, what was this all for? And he says, nothing. Salahuddin says nothing. And then he turns to him, pauses, there's a long pause, turns, walks away, turns back and says to him everything. And you know, in the book, um, it's in there. You can actually scan the QR code and go right on YouTube to that clip I'm referencing. You know, in that moment, um, there was no 
sword, if you will, despite there having just been this tremendous battle. Um, that was an expansion of space, that statement, in my opinion. That was an expansion of it's worth nothing, it's worth everything, because it means so much to my people to hold this city. In the end, it doesn't mean anything, right? Um, you know, your faith can be connected no matter where you are on earth. Your people can live together no matter where they are on earth. But this place meant everything while at the same time meaning nothing. And so it was that belief that we're going to go get this place that meant a lot. But ultimately, the expansion of thought of it means everything to them was really, really important. Another way to look at the sword and the shield is swords create offense, right? It's think of somebody with a sword. It it's cuts down, cuts people down. It creates wounds. It creates chaos, creates death, all that stuff. You're swinging it around. Nobody wants to get close to you. Um, that's a hard way to lead. If we think of a shield that we might carry as protection, right? So here, another visual is if you think of those same characters in the movie, you know, there's various points throughout the various points in any kind of movie where there's swords and shields or show, uh, someone will swing a sword at someone else and they'll put that shield up and it clangs in and you hear the music and there's time, time slows down and there's space and the story changes. The story moves, I guess you could say, into more ease. There's more room for the hero to accomplish what they want. And so look at your leadership in that fashion. Look at your leadership in the way of how am I, how am I speaking? What am I carrying around? Does it repel people? Does it push people away? Does it bring people in? You know, if you look at a sword in another way, the word decide, you look at the root word, uh, of, of decide side means to take down, cut down, end, um, homicide, suicide, insecticide, right? These are things that kill things off. Decisions kill off ideas. We ultimately should be making good decisions in our business, but the reality is that takes things away as we find that one answer. And so as a leader, leader, my challenge to you instead would be less of that decision and deciding a more experimentation, right? So deciding being on the sword side of things, experimentation being on the shield side of things, we're still arriving at a good decision, which is the number one goal. I think as a business owner, the people I consult with, the one big event I want them to get to pretty quickly when we start working together is to be in that seat of they're only making good decisions for their business. And if you've heard me speak on my podcast show, you've heard that often. And I don't want you to think I'm being hypocritical here. What I'm suggesting to you is think about the way you arrive at that point of decision. Instead of cutting other ideas down, cutting people down to where they just no longer bring ideas because they're just sick and tired of being rebuffed, sick and tired of being pushed away in the way that they have been, invite in that experimentation around an idea. Kind of like fifth grade when you had the science project and the trifold poster board and your hypothesis was up top and you cut out with felt paper all the ways you grew the plant in the different soil and you came to the conclusion that this soil was the best way to go forward, 
right? You were allowed that room for exploration. You are allowed that room for experimentation. You were allowed that room for initiative. Your teacher gave you the parameters and you got to run. And so as a leader, I think that space that you create, this this shield, if you will, that you create, this place that doesn't become something you wield, it doesn't become something of protection, it becomes something above, allows more space, more room for idea, more room for exploration, more room for experimentation. You tell people, here's the goal. Here's what we want to accomplish. We need a better customer experience. We need a better software offering. We have to solve this problem our customers are facing. They can't connect this opt-in to this function, you know, on a manufacturing floor. We're, we're getting bogged down in this middle of the process. How do we speed that up? asking those questions instead of saying, well, I think it's this way and we have to go that way. So figure out how to get it my way. It's the ultimate way to throttle opportunity, create room, create that expansion for initiative, create the ability to fail a lot faster and be willing to support those failures, be willing to support that action in the business you know, we can learn from our failures. We've heard that. We've learned about failing forward faster. We've heard that. I would challenge all of us that if that's what we're going to adopt, we're going to recommit to, let's really do that and create a place in a way of leadership in which we're not reminding people of their failings. We remind people what we learned along the way. I think a lot of times leaders can do that, remind of the failings, remind in the ways that were disappointing. Maybe it cost us money. We get that. That's part of being in business. You know, uh, if we're going to constantly remind people we lead about the ways we lost money, all while only pocketing the profit and not ever saying anything about it, I think that's not a very fair place by which to lead from. And so that's the first ingredient, your sword versus your shield. You know, digging in in this, the power of space, creating space for those to really be around you, get with you, um, so you can be that leader, um, in a place of being out front. You know, that graphic of leaders are, um, in with the team, pulling with the team, being out front. We've seen that they're not behind cracking the whip, they're out front pulling along. I get that. We need to be out front. But we need to create a place where these people are willing to be kind of by our side. Right? We can't just be out front um, catching everything that comes our way. We need to be that first point of attack for sure. We need to be that arrow of the spear for sure. Um, But we need to create people that are willing to stand along the front line with us. So that's what this power of space is about. And we do that by acknowledging, again, another another chapter in the book. I like to say that new cuts, you know, aren't old scars. So another visual for you to kind of define what I mean by new cuts aren't old scars. You're driving down the highway. You need to get somewhere. And there's this person in the left lane doing five miles under the speed limit. And you're going through the progression, you approach, you get close, you back off, you do that a few times, you might be flash your headlights, you might start to weave side to side to try to catch some eye and some peripheral vision and they're just they're just not there. Well, that person, I can tell you, there's never been that 
ability for that person to wake up in their morning and say, I'm going to go disrupt you know, our folks on the line live tonight. I'm here to disrupt Jeff's day, Wiley's day, Trisha's day. And who else did we have here? Uh, yeah, Trish, Trisha, Wiley, Jeff. Yep. You know, that person never decided to disrupt your day. That wasn't the grand scheme of things. No one really truly sets out to disrupt your day. The people you lead don't. The people you employ don't. The people you work with don't. Those by your side on a project don't. You know, their responses throughout the day, my belief is that it's a defense mechanism of their own issues, right? They've been, they've been cut down so many times that they've got this, this, these scars built up. And, and what they give off isn't about you. It's not meant to be a new cut for you. It's just about what they have going on in their day. So let's go back to the highway. You're behind this person doing five miles under the speed limit. Have we ever considered that possibly they just lost a dear loved one and they're on the way to the hospital? Possibly they just got a poor health diagnosis. Possibly uh, they've just been fired from their job and they're on the way home, right? So their mind is obviously elsewhere. This person never endeavored to disrupt your day. They're just in this environment where they're responding to theirs. And yeah, it affects the people around them. But it isn't intentional. It isn't meant to be this cut over here is meant to rip open your scar over there, if that makes sense. And I hope it does. I'll give you an example directly from my leadership, a major failure. Uh, you can Google 830 Plaza Boulevard, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 17601. That's the location of my retail store. I don't share that with you to, to sell you a mattress because that's what that business is. I share that with you so you can go on Google Google Earth and look at the parking lot view and you can see back in the back parking lot to the front of the road, to the main street. Well, there was a day, it was Labor Day, actually Labor Day, I think 2015, so about eight years ago, almost to the day of this recording, eight years, one week. Uh, I hit the street from our parking lot at 65 miles an hour. I was so pissed off. I was so pissed off because internally... An employee had just cut me. An employee had continuously uh, gone against what we wanted done in the business, continuously didn't fill out their commission reports. My business partner as well kind of went along in that, what I'll call a scheme for the emphasis of story, uh, and just accepted it and processed payroll. And the agreement amongst all of us was that another payroll would not happen unless those reports were done. Now, why was that so important to me to get those reports done? Because at the time we were looking to expand and we could not expand if we did not have additional leaders in the business. So for me, my whole goal of that was getting a deeper understanding of expanding our role to create more leaders. The problem was those people I wanted to be leaders, they were not in any way, shape or form, not through their own fault, just who they were. They were not willing to come stand side by side with me, even though I'm a step out front. They wanted to be directly behind. And I, as a leader, didn't recognize that. And so I hit 65 miles an hour leaving the parking lot because I take them, their inability to communicate that with me, which my leadership up to that point didn't allow them to. I was always deciding for them 
right? I was making that decision for them to be a leader, though they didn't want to be. Putting them in their place of leadership, which only I saw. So they just didn't get it, right? My business partner, honestly, I think was struggling with it as well at the time. I was the only one pulling on that rope. That rope gets cut and I get, you know, fall flat in my face, so to say. So I hit the street going 65 miles an hour. I could have killed somebody. I could have killed myself. It was just a terrible, terrible moment of leadership. And so that that wound, so to say, that the, the, the people on my team not wanting to be the leader, their reaction was based on me not cultivating them to be leaders because all of my decisions prior to that just didn't lead us together to that point. And so their, uh, their external way of handling what I asked, I equated to these, these old scars, right? You're not with me. You're against me. You know, this is, this is the same stuff I dealt with. This is the same, uh, the same hurts, the same issues, almost like reliving all the trauma of the past, all in this messy old ball that manifested itself, my foot to the gas pedal, burning rubber out the parking lot, which if you don't Google it, is probably less than an eighth to a quarter of a mile at 65 miles an hour, making a left turn out of the parking lot, no less. So I'm kind of like Tokyo Drift, not a good look. And that's that's how those old scars can manifest into new cuts if we allow them. It's how we respond, right? There's a Stoic saying, I'll probably butcher it. I always do. But this, you know, the Stoic belief is that judgments in our day are are more about how we actually respond to the issue. In other words, how do we respond to that person doing five miles under in the left lane on the highway? As opposed to, um, you know, what the, like, do we actually seek to ask ourselves, why is that person going five miles an hour as opposed to what most do? And that's lay on the horn, flash the high beams, fly out in the right lane, give them the finger as you pass, and then book it down the road on your way, right? The Stoic would say, let's seek to understand versus what I just laid out about flying out in the right lane. And so old scars do not equal new cuts. That's the third way, if we really focus in on that, to create space. The third ingredient, understanding your position as a leader, right? So leaders truly mentor at least one person in their life. Again, if we go back eight years ago, we're struggling as a company. We're trying to grow. We're not cultivating the people around us. I'm not mentoring anybody. I'm laying down the sword. I'm making the decisions. I'm cutting one person. It's kind of like death by a thousand cuts. And I didn't even know anybody was bleeding. I just think everybody's there wanting to pull in the same direction as me. Leaders mentor at least one person who's around them. If you're not doing that, you're not a leader. Now, from that moment, from that time, I can proudly say looking inward, a handful of years later, we had a gentleman leave our business. We just couldn't give him what he needed for his family of eight. I'm sorry, family of seven. Um, and uh, we just couldn't, we just could not give him what he needed from a a, a wage and, and health benefits package that a larger company could. He moved on out of our industry. 
But I was so happy, and it's still one of my biggest achievements as an employer, to have given him that opportunity to build a resume, to go get that career path. And he's just excelling today. As a matter of fact, as I recorded this, my business partner um, went and played golf today in in a charity event that that company hosts. So leaders mentor at least one person, right? Managers do the deciding for people. And if you, again, if you go back to that word decide, side, the killing off of something, you know, that's that's kind of what bad managers do, right? They just ultimately, that's why so many company cultures are terrible because management kills the company one thing at a time. And so uh, what ends up happening is leaders shift into that management role. They keep their eye away from the prize of mentoring all of them around. Everybody's behind them. Maybe they've died off and you don't even know it. The opportunity to mentor means people are going to be beside you. You still have to be that first person taking that first step. You know, as a to give you another analogy, as a youth football coach, I told the kids in, on practice, I can be more interested than you in this game in practice 100%. I will pour my heart and soul into this two hours of practice we have three days a week. But when it comes to the game, I can't be the guy more interested in winning than you because I can't be out on the field. I'm not allowed. So in the game, in practice, I will be 100% out there being more interested in you exceeding as a person in your confidence and your development of skills in this game and your love of this game and in learning all the positions of this game, which at that level, that's what it was truly about for me. So those are my five goals together. I want And I want to see you win and I'll be that person leading it. But when it comes to game time, you have to be the person leading your own success. And so leaders need to be in that mentoring of at least one person within their company. They have to, you know, people should be looked at, you know, look at growing your human capital. You know, there's so much we do in our lives and in our businesses where we're looking for that return on investment, right? We we maybe spend up to get the T1. I don't even know if that's the hot internet connection now for a business or not, but we look to... um, spend up to get a better investment on internet speed. We look to spend into equipment to get better efficiencies through our manufacturing floor. We, we, you know, uh, increase the labor to deliver projects faster. Um, ROI on all those things. But the people sitting in our chairs right now, how are we improving their ROI and their time with us and our time with them? You know, is, is our efforts to make them better people outpacing inflation or what I would like to call the noise inflation, noise of life, the noise of drama that goes on, the noise that they bring to their day with us because a lot of their stuff hasn't been dealt with. Can we create the space to outpace that inflation? Because it's getting, in my opinion, really noisy out there. And so... Your true position as that leader is to be that mentor to at least one person, and if not more, right? Uh, look at growing that human capital and really think about what is what is my ROI with the time I spend with people? You know, am I, am I that middle manager who's just speaking to decide to kill off the culture of this company, one thought, one email, one meeting at a time? Or is what I'm doing outpacing 
inflation that my people are bringing to work? Am I, am I cutting out that noise and am I growing them as humans? That's where I think true management, true leadership, true space for leadership can really truly grow. And I'll wrap this up because again, I like to keep these tight. I think attention spans are limited and there is only so much you can take in in one session. So are you clearly defined with everyone around you on the purpose, on the mission and on your values? And are you clearly defining how each of those support one another? So how does your values remind people of the mission and how does the mission drive home the purpose? And then if you speak your purpose, how do you back that up with action and your mission? And what integrity level, what integrity test exists within the values to support your mission? To me as a leader, when you find that true position as a leader, when you define those things, when you focus on the growth of human capital, when you think about every email I create, every meeting I have, every message that's sent, every outburst or controlled quick five-minute huddle, Every interaction, is this adding or subtracting? Are we expanding and multiplying the ROI of this moment? Are we growing our people? Are we increasing that space? Are we really truly looking to ask ourselves, going all the way back to where I started, all right, is this moment just beating the hammer to get more and more and more out of our eight hours a day together? Or am I carving out intentional time in this 15 minutes, in this half hour, in this one hour. And maybe that's in a week, an hour a week. Maybe it's two hours a week. But in that time together, are we expanding and growing our humans? Are we expanding and growing our time and the power of our time together? How have we invested in each other? How am I investing in you? How am I mentoring you as a leader? And so understanding that true position as a leader is the third one. Um, That's what I have for you this evening. Uh, I think we're right at the top of our time together. Uh, I like to keep these pointed, focused. Um, so I thank you for tuning in. I thank you for watching. If you're watching this later on a, a YouTube short or a reel on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, please comment, please share, uh, please connect with me. I'd love to continue the conversation. Um, please get the book. You go to thejeffg.com slash book. The links to buy on Amazon are there. You can access the bonuses that commensurate. Um, you can get this recording of this call. You can get some of the coaching sessions that exist if you buy 10 or more copies. But uh, I just want to say thank you for your time tonight and joining me. And uh, Wiley, Jeff Pierce, Trisha Johnson, uh, thank you so much for uh, tuning in live and uh, being a part of the call. We really appreciate you all. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, All your life, you've been told what is and what isn't possible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living 
a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.